Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Happy Saturday, Rose. How's your weekend been? Or how's your week been, should I say? Week's been interesting. Um, It's starting to get into that busy time of year again now, getting towards the end of the year and summer, weddings, Christmas. So, yes, people are hectic. (laughs) It's actually a great time of year. I love it. It gets really... The energy builds up and it gets very exciting. Um, I know last time we spoke, you had an issue with your plumbing. Did that all get fixed? <laughs> it did. It got fixed. <laughs> and and the reason I the reason the reason I mentioned plumbing is we're kind of talking a little bit about that today when we're talking about menopause because it's maybe we're just as women talking about it more. Maybe it's because I'm more towards that age group but there definitely seems to be more talk about menopause and I think obviously a lot of people come for skin treatments particularly around the menopausal age because that's when I think we start panicking about our skin and think oh my god you know lines and wrinkles and loss of collagen and all of that and that's when you know a lot of people start thinking about anti-aging treatments and I don't like the word anti-aging because I'm, I'm all about pro-aging and, and healthy aging but at the same time we want to look and feel our very best. So let's talk about menopause today. I know you see a lot of um, clients and you really do focus on those treatments to help minimise the signs of ageing. I know I'm always sort of getting asked about hormones and, and how to balance hormones and diet and lifestyle as well. So I thought we could touch on all of that and hopefully give some really um, helpful tips for people, particularly with the lifestyle and the diet and skincare as well, so that we're all looking and feeling our very best. So where shall we start? What about, um, should we just talk about what menopause actually is to start with? Yeah, well, menopause essentially is when we stop menstruating, right? So the minute you've stopped having your period for that two years, you technically are in menopause. And menopause essentially, or perimenopause, begins for women in their 40s. So it can actually start for quite a significant amount of time before we actually are in menopause. So those skin changes that we're seeing throughout this period in our life actually start a lot earlier earlier than what we think. So if we're aware, and which is what we're doing today, we're creating more awareness for for clients and for people out there that want to know more and have a bit more control and know what you can do to keep your skin and body in in a healthy state throughout the stage of your life, we are creating awareness. So there are things that we can do to help to manage this time throughout a female's life without them really experiencing, I guess, those real significant things like hot flushes, mood swings, depression, anxiety, you know, you can get a lot of these things under control. We're not meant to experience experience those things to such a high degree. Mm. So we are essentially supposed to go through this stage of our life quite nicely. But unfortunately, there are people that do experience those side effects that can be quite debilitating for them. So there are ways of managing this from a skin health point of view. There are changes that we see throughout this time of your life. Um, the, the decline of estrogen and estrogen in itself has a huge role within our body 
in our skin, there's a lot of things that happen the minute that estrogen declines. We start to see more vascularity or redness in our skin. Our skin starts to become very dry, become flaky, irritable, very sensitive. Um, more pigmentation shows up in the skin. It becomes very thin. We lose a significant amount of collagen in our skin as well once we start going through menopause. So there are strategies in place that we do in the clinic here to really look after these clients that are noticing these changes and also looking at this on a more holistic level and what we can do internally as well. I think as well, sometimes because, you know, perimenopause are the the years before menopause and we get the hormonal changes. And to be honest, you know, that can even happen in, in, in the 30s for some people. And I think the average age for menopause is around 53, something around something like that, and that's when periods stop. Um, quite horrifyingly, it's thought that about um, we lose about 25% of our collagen once we've hit menopause in the first year, and then it declines on average about, I think, 2.5% every year after that, which is horrifying. And as you've mentioned, collag- um, estrogen is, is important for so many things, but we need it also for healthy collagen production, um, Estrogen is going to affect the dryness levels in our skin. So when the estrogen falls, the skin can become drier. And I don't think a lot of women realise, you know, I hear so often about not just dry skin, but itchy skin. You know, there's this itching and it's all over the body. And that can often be associated or be a sign of low, as a, you know, low hormones or our hormones declining. So there are so many little subtle symptoms that quite often we don't even associate with with menopause so I think it's important to understand what they are because not only will it affect our skin and skin sensitivity and dryness but it's going to affect the skin all over the body we can be more reactive more sensitive but we can also um, find that it can affect our mood because when we start to see a decline in estrogen estrogen is responsible for um healthy cardiovascular healthy bones but also healthy brain function and that's why when the estrogen declines we can start to get that sort of brain fog type feeling Um, and so we can also see anxiety increasing because progesterone the other hormone that declines during menopause um, progesterone and estrogen are meant to work in harmony and in balance together and as our progesterone diminishes we can find that we can see things like anxiety. And I know for myself, you know, I'm at that age where I will be soon coming into menopause, probably. Thankfully, not there yet. Um, But I've definitely, the only symptom I've really noticed, I'm I'm lucky I haven't really had anything. I do eat well. Um, I'm a big believer of of that. Um, The only thing I have noticed, though, is anxiety has increased with age and that's definitely more to do with progesterone levels declining and there are there are things that women can do and there are always options of things like HRT as well which is a whole other debate but I I do hear people that have gone on HRT and then swear by it as you know a life-saving thing I haven't gone down that route but I definitely did notice more more anxiety and that can happen when progesterone lowers um, because progesterone helps us feel sort of more calm if you like so that's really interesting and I find you know around that age not only can you get more anxiety but women can also feel 
a loss of confidence and a loss of purpose and a loss of belonging. So combining that with, you know, the skin thinning, skin sagging, wrinkles, all of that, it can be quite a challenging period in women's lives because not only are we dealing with hormonal changes, it's affecting our brain as well and it's affecting our confidence levels. So I think helping to manage menopause as much as we can, not only is it going to help with our skin and our wellness, but it can also help with our, our mood and well-being as well. And all of these symptoms um, or signs are symptoms of potentially menopause or those hormonal changes. Even things like changes in period, um, just before the menopause some women may notice that periods become heavier and that's because estrogen is lowering and progesterone is lowering so um, when your progesterone lowers we can start to find that the periods become heavier um, and that's something that quite a lot of women will comment on you know just before they go into menopause so all of these things are a sign that our, our hormones are actually changing. So we need that progesterone to help balance out that estrogen, which is quite impossible, uh, quite quite important. But what I find, you know, the, the things that are really important to manage during menopause are inflammation within the body. And I know we've spoken about inflammation before, but there are links between chronic low-grade inflammation and more hormonal imbalance um, so if we can manage inflammation that actually helps to manage the symptoms of menopause but also how we detoxify our hormones so our gut health and our liver health and our bowel regularity is really important for helping to detoxify hormones so we can still be low in estrogen but we can be what we call estrogen dominant um, which can then set us up for other issues like certain cancers and things like that as well so it's really important that we help to manage our hormones via you know reducing inflammation helping to support gut and liver health because they're managing our hormones um, and helping to support our stress levels because stress levels as you well know Rose will really throw out those hormones and sleep too we need good sleep and so many people around menopause find that they're not sleeping well and then that's also going to have a worsening effect on their sleep too. So it's this vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle and, you know, getting back to that whole confidence thing, you know, we're going through these changes as, as women and we feel like we're losing control. We, we don't feel like we have control, but you actually do. Um, so once we learn to kind of, understand what we can do to get those hormones in balance as much as we can estrogen has a huge role in our body um, it, it's responsible for so many functions within our body so if we can start to perhaps you know visit another practitioner that can help us to get those hormones in balance it's amazing what can actually happen and you can go through this stage of your life with a lot of ease without experiencing those symptoms um, yeah so it's interesting though because women that are going through this stage of their life stress levels are huge because not everyone has children but for women that have children they're managing a household they're managing their children getting their children to extracurricular activities after school they could also be working their stress levels are huge and what happens when we are under stress we're attracted to those foods to give us that quick fix to help us to relax 
which essentially is what exacerbates that inflammatory issue associated with menopause. So elevated cortisol is something that a lot of my clients, once they've had visits with a practitioner, they're diagnosed with elevated cortisol throughout that stage of menopause. So we're seeing all these other things go on in their skin as a result of that too, which is hyperpigmentation, redness, irritability, that sensitivity that comes along with that. Um, menopause as well, our vaginal health does change. So estrogen also impacts the health of our vagina. It impacts the pH, the microbiome in there, the quality of the skin, the, the thickness of the skin in that vaginal wall. And, and that's important to understand because sex can become quite painful during this period. So, you know, you, you can get things like regu more regular UTIs, um, urinary incontinence, pelvic floor issues start to become more paramount. So there are things that you can do to really change the quality of your life throughout this process. You don't have to put up with it. No. I think so. And I know that you offer sort of treatments for that area as well. I think when it comes down to hormones, that's when you really need to see somebody that is an expert and specialises in hormones, especially if you're looking at potentially HRT support as well, you know, really looking at somebody that um, really knows what has a lot of experience in that area and also you know nutrition I'm a huge believer in supporting hormones through nutrition and I I'm lucky I, I don't get a lot of hormonal issues but I, I do also believe a lot of that is because I've always eaten a lot of plant-based foods and I've, I've really sort of supported my gut microbiome um, it's very very important and if you look at maybe more sort of the the Asian populations and in traditional um, diet where there was a lot of plant-based foods a lot of soy-based products compared to the western world where we don't have such a high intake of plant-based foods and those phytoestrogens which can really help to support hormonal balance particularly through menopause you know I think that's really important because if we're not getting enough of those plant-based foods we're not getting important phytoestrogens and phytochemicals. Um, and don't forget, we've got these estrogen receptors all over our body and we've got estrogen receptors in our skin as well. So our diet is going to play a huge role. And if we're just eating a lot of ultra-processed food and high-refined carbohydrate and high-sugar food, that is going to um, put more of a stress on the body. It's going to disrupt the microbiome, but it can also deplete more nutrients. So the... The more sugar we eat, the more it will deplete nutrients such as B vitamins and magnesium. And these nutrients are really important for hormonal balance. And in fact, some um, studies have actually shown that when we're depleted in certain nutrients, particularly things like B vitamins, um, that may have an impact on how we deal with hot flushes or, or the severity of the hot flushes, and particularly foods such as um, folate, which are, are in a lot of, of veg, uh, sorry, nutrients such as folate, which are in a lot of vegetables and, and leafy greens. Um, we also think that there may be a link between hot flushes and vitamin D deficiency so if somebody is low in vitamin d they may be more prone to hot flushes which is really interesting because one of the symptoms of low vitamin d can be somebody that has a, 
a hot, sweaty head all the time. You know, somebody that's always sweating and they feel a bit damp at the back of their head because they're always hot, sweaty head. They always have sort of ex- excess sweating of the palms. If somebody tells me that, um, and I've also sort of noticed that they're getting a very flat, low mood, um, you know, lower back pain, that can all be symptoms of vitamin D depletion. And so I would always say to someone if they're getting hot flushes, first of all, let's look at the diet. Let's make sure we're getting enough of the the good stuff and the plant-based foods, but let's get your vitamin D levels checked. Um, because that's something that's something quite simple that can be easily rectified and that would need supplementation. We also know we need more nutrients as we age because we don't absorb them as well. So B vitamins, magnesium, vitamin D, calcium are all really important for menopausal clients in particular. And also these nutrients are all involved in skin health as well. So we will notice that the, the skin barrier can become impaired if we're not getting enough nutrients, but also that decline in hormones is going to affect the skin barrier, which, as we mentioned before equals dryness and sensitivity. So I think getting the, the the right people around you during this time is important. We need to look after the skin. We need to really be conscious of our diet more than ever, I think, around this time. Um, and also, you know, align yourself with a good GP that can support you during this time and check for, you know, bone density and, and check all of these things female health as well, and also, um, you know, hormonal experts that can support you if, if that's a route that you want to go. And it's also important to take away the negative stigma around this type of stage of our life as well. There's so much negativity around, oh, she's going through menopause, you know. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it's essentially just a stage of life. It just means we don't get our period. But along with that, there are changes that we are experiencing. So taking the negative stigma away for clients, I think is very important for their self-confidence and their self-worth. They're already experiencing these changes. We want to make sure that they're going through this stage, becoming more empowered and understanding what's happening to them and what they can do about it. And like you said, Diet is important. At this stage, we can't eat the things that we're used to when we were 20 because we don't metabolise them in the same way. We can't have alcohol like we did in our 20s because it impacts our bodies so significantly and we see it straight away. So understanding what we can do about it and being more proactive, even with ingestible support, is huge, in particular when I am treating clients in the clinic that are going through menopause. We all think we get enough of these nutrients in our diet, but we actually don't. Let's just be realistic. And you've always taught me that as well. We we don't get enough of these nutrients. We need the ingestible support. And for the clients that I'm looking at procedures to take them through this stage of their life and really improve collagen and the quality, the health, the physiology, functionality of their skin, we need to look at these things internally and we need to make sure we've got the ingestible support to help the skin to recover, wound healing, um, the best results from these procedures as well so they do see that see their skin change if we're not addressing it in this way you're not going to see the results and you could potentially have an adverse reaction to some treatments in particular those that induce collagen essentially they're creating a wound in the skin a lot of them so recovery is everything it's really interesting because as we age, our protein requirements go up. One, because we don't absorb things as well, but also, you know, we lose um, muscle mass with age and um, we really need to make sure we're getting those 
those important amino acids in our diet because they're involved in so many different functions like, you know, wound healing and and cellular repair, but also things like mood and they can help regulate mood. So getting the right amino acids is really important and we get that through our protein intake. But so many women are not having enough protein and this is one of the key things that I see particularly at breakfast and at lunchtime they're just not getting that protein intake and so that they they will find that one that drives more hunger because they're not feeling full or satisfied so they're 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 craving the the sugar fixes um, or the carbohydrate quick uh, fixes because that also is going to lift their their mood Um, but it's also not going to help support things like um their um mood as well you know we need protein for so many different functions within the body and just increasing protein for instance at breakfast and lunch that can really help with things like weight management it can also help with controlling blood sugar and you know that dysregulation of blood sugar or um things like insulin resistance do happen post-menopause because estrogen is involved as we've mentioned in so many different things but one of the things estrogen helps with is it helps to work with insulin to basically shunt sugar into the into the cells so when estrogen drops we are more prone to things like insulin resistance and as we've spoken before when you've got high blood sugar that's going to accelerate the aging process the breakdown of collagen pigmentation um, but we're also then going to start to gain the weight around the tummy um, and insulin resistance can also set us up for more serious health risks and diseases later in life as well so even just upping the protein lowering sugar intake lowering the refined carbohydrates and alcohol intake is so so important when it comes to things like insulin resistance as well and that is often why during menopause women can't lose weight and they do get that extra you know weight around the tummy and then of course you know they're having the alcohol at night time the body then has to try and process that alcohol because the body sees alcohol as a toxin and it needs to get rid of it straight away so then any other food that we're eating sort of gets doesn't get seen too straight away if you like and then that can affect blood sugar levels even even more so we're going to be more prone to weight gain it's really a difficult situation that we get caught up in but it's a very easy one there's some very easy strategies such as sort of increasing the protein increasing the plant-based foods and the fiber that's all going to help manage blood sugar levels um, and that's something that's an easy fix but so many people I think do or women do have insulin resistance or are verging on it and they don't even realize correct and and protein's a big thing since I started having protein powder every day it's made a huge difference to the way I'm eating throughout the day um, I have I feel fuller I'm not looking for those quick fixes to give me energy throughout the day it's made a significant change um, in my body especially so you know in a perfect world everyone essentially should be taking a protein powder we should be taking omegas um, and this is these are the things that I prescribe my clients going through menopause um, protein powder omegas um, we look at collagen peptide powders as well and also 
whole food prebiotic powder. So these are the things that I essentially give to my clients that will support them throughout their whole stage of their treatment plan. And it has made a huge difference. Um, talking with them about their diet and really getting them to understand those triggers from food and what will exacerbate the inflammation in their body, getting them to understand their sleep, um, reducing their stress levels, you know, meditation, mindfulness, all of those things, exercise is huge. And then you'll find that you don't really start to go through that menopause shape type body. You know, you don't accumulate that weight around your center. You maintain a beautiful figure. Um, and you feel more in control and more empowered. And the mood for these clients changes, you know, their self-confidence changes, it increases. So like you said, there are strategies that you can implement in your life that are very simple to take you through this stage of life without having that negative stigma around it and without interfering in the quality of your life as well. Absolutely. My my biggest fear is getting that middle age spread and, that, and getting that big tummy that you often see with with menopause and things like insulin resistance so i'm like it will not happen to me <laughs> well that's right because you're essentially looking after yourself you know i mean Another yeah era- sorry i was gonna say i mean there'll probably be at some point a, a natural slight thickening um but not to that degree that some people have and that purely is because of of diet and lifestyle totally um Another issue um, or an area of concern for clients that are entering menopause is the vaginal health. Um, And that particular area, no one talks about. We all know things are changing. We can feel it. Sex becomes painful. Um, You know, there are things that go on that we are noticing but don't discuss. And, And when you're starting to implement these changes throughout menopause and putting these strategies in place to help your skin, that area is skin as well. So that will also start to improve. Uh, We have treatments in the clinic that also help to improve the functionality of the vaginal area that has completely changed women's life. The phone calls that I've had from clients noticing these changes that have been so debilitating for them has been huge. Um, and, And that for me is so satisfying because it means that they're in a much happier place within themselves. You know, their confidence you know intimacy with their partner everything just improves it's incredible absolutely and also things like you know just sex drive in general during menopause you know when we get that that drop in estrogen progesterone and testosterone as well for some people they will just notice that the whole libido completely goes as well and that's when maybe um hormones there's natural hormone replacement hormone replacement i'm not an expert in that by any means um maybe at some point down the track we will we'll talk to an expert um to to give us more information in that area because it's quite a fascinating topic and subject and it's quite divided with some people as well um i'm on yeah. the f- i'm on the fence um i don't know enough about it really to comment but i i do know people that have had hormone replacement therapy and swear by it so there's other people that are scared of it because of um, increased cancer risk and things like that but I do think a lot of that has changed now you know medicine's become very sophisticated um, and it's it's not how it was sort of 20-30 years ago so I think we need to always constantly keep updated with the research and the and the changes and I think we're quite ahead of it here actually in in Australia in particular with the research which is quite exciting um 
So there is a lot that goes on. The other thing as well I find with a lot of um, menopausal women that is a concern, apart from, you know, the wrinkles, sagging skin, weight gain, <laughs> loss of libido, loss of confidence, um, just to top it off, I mean, just to make us all feel just that little bit better is hair loss um, and thinning hair. And that can happen through the lowering of the hormones. But something I noticed as well myself, my hair started to thin, particularly around the, the hairline here. I'm like, oh, my God. And I wear my hair back a lot. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm losing my hair. And I couldn't work out why because I was like, I think I eat pretty well. But then when I really looked at my diet, you know, I, I am naturally prone to being low in iron. And um, I'm also, I'm not vegetarian, but I admittedly don't eat a lot of meat. I've just, I never have. And I am prone to being low in iron. So as soon as I sorted my iron levels out um, and I increased my protein intake, because again, not eating a lot of animal-based products, um, the quality of the protein and the amino acid profile, what we call um, a complete protein profile or amino acid profile, can be limited. So you need to be very careful in getting the right mix of foods to get your complete protein. So when I started increasing the protein, and I did that by using the um, the plant protein in the morning, I've also um, got my iron levels in check. My hair, honestly, I cannot tell you. It's all grown back, and I've got you know thick hair again. And I've never had super thick hair, but it literally was thinning to the point I didn't want to wear my hair back anymore. So it's just completely fixed it up. So sometimes, you know, just looking at the diet and looking at the iron levels, if also vitamin D levels are important with hair as well, vitamin C, B vitamins, and um, protein intake, all of that can make a huge difference on, on hair growth because I know a lot of women have issues with that. And so if it's thinning hair, um, diet can play quite an important role in that. Yeah, hair loss is um, definitely a concern that I see a lot with clients um, and, and not just women that are in their 50s or 40s, even younger. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm seeing women come through with more concerns with hair loss and in particular now that we're so sun conscious and so protective of, of sun exposure, vitamin D levels are so low for almost everybody. So that conversion in the skin from vitamin D is is not happening pretty much. It's, you know, it's obsolete. So I think if we can start to look at these ingestibles to support, um, you'll see the changes with the hair growth as what you've noticed as well. I think vitamin D, I always say to people, get your vitamin D checked regularly. So my recommendation is to have a blood check at least once a year um, and get those vitamin D levels checked because if they're low, you will need um, supplementation, a proper vitamin D supplement to get the levels up. It's no good just going to take a vitamin D supplement because it can build up to toxic levels. So you need to monitor it. Um, and if your levels are really low, you may need a different dose to what is recommended as a daily intake on a vitamin D supplement. So if you're not taking enough, you won't get the levels up enough, if that makes sense. So... Um, because there are when I do see clients um, a lot of them self-prescribe and they'll go to a pharmacy or wherever they're going to get their own ingestible support without seeing a practitioner and it's actually quite dangerous Very. if they're not yeah so that's, that's a really 
advice. There was even a TGA warning um, a couple of months back on, I think it was B vitamins, and people were, you know, I'm stressed, so I'm taking all these B vitamins. Um, and, of course, they can build up to dangerous levels as well. Even though they're water-soluble, certain B vitamins like B6 um, – can actually cause problems with the the nerves when you take too much. And people forget that they do get vitamins and minerals through food, and that does all add up. So if you're taking multiple synthetic vitamins, um, you could potentially overdose because you're getting different nutrients and different supplements, then you're getting your nutrition through your food. It can be an issue, particularly things like vitamin D, um, B vitamins, particularly vitamin B6. Um, vitamin A, I have an issue with supplementing vitamin A as well because it's a fat-soluble vitamin um, and too much of that can be toxic too. So as you know, Rose, I'm all about getting your nutrient through your diet, supporting through the whole foods, but if there is a clinical deficiency or nutrient depletion or you are at risk of low nutrients, that's when vitamin supplementation with synthetic vitamins may be necessary. But we do need to monitor. So if you are feeling tired, your hair is thinning, um, your nails are um, ridged and sometimes you can get what we call spoon-shaped nails from iron depletion. And iron deficiency is one of the most common nutrient deficiencies. You may need iron supplementation or you may actually need iron infusions. That is why we need to know what your levels are to work out what the right dose is to correct that iron deficiency because just taking an iron tablet, one, if you're not at the right dose, it's not going to do very much. Two, um, if you take an iron supplement and you don't need it, it actually can cause organ damage and even organ failure if you get to really high toxic levels. That is why somebody that um, does naturally have very toxic high levels of iron actually has to have bloodletting, you know, because it can cause serious um, issues. So you should never just go and take an iron supplement unless you have had your iron levels checked. It's really, really important. So it does worry me when people just take supplements left right and center without getting these levels checked because there's actually no evidence for taking synthetic vitamin supplements unless you need to take them there's actually no evidence for it because and if anything if you actually look at the research there can be more harm than than good so there is evidence for if you're not getting enough and there's nutrient depletion and then they can be really useful and this is why, again, I go back to try and get everything through food, get your levels checked, and then we can work out if you do need supplementation. I mean, going back to menopause, we know that during menopause, quite often our requirements for certain amino acids go up um, or can be beneficial to help manage those symptoms of anxiety. We also know that magnesium levels, um, as we know, can be depleted with certain medications and um, high sugar levels and alcohol, but magnesium can really support menopausal women. Now, where do we get magnesium in the diet? It's mainly through plant-based foods. But if you're not getting those whole grains and legumes and, and those nutrients in, nuts and seeds, you may not be getting enough magnesium. So my way of approach would be doing it through diet first if you're not then still getting um, enough magnesium then we may need to look at supplementation but just eating the wrong food you know if, if, if a woman is cutting out the carbohydrates completely and a lot of women will because they think they're going to gain weight they can be cutting out whole grains they can be cutting out a lot of um 
fruits as well. You know, the amount of women that say, oh, I don't eat fruit because of the sugar. Um, these, these foods have a lot of nutrients we need, such as um, phytoestrogens and phytonutrients and magnesium and fibre, all of the things we need to give us that extra support during menopause. And so quite often we are our own worst enemy. We actually create these issues um, and these symptoms that un- unknowingly we could actually be making the problem worse. And again, we need carbohydrate to help with a healthy thyroid. Um, if the thyroid's out of balance, then um, that's going to make mood and um, low energy and weight gain. And then sometimes that may be an issue and that we think it's all part of menopause, but it might even be now that our thyroid's out of whack because we've been stressed and we haven't been eating properly. So there's there's the body is very intricate and everything works together and we've got to get this fine delicate balance right and if we just throw out one thing um it can affect everything else and that's why i'm about this as you are that holistic integrative approach to um helping to balance the hormones definitely and and listen to your body your body is the most magnificent piece of machinery it is going to tell you if something isn't working right you know if you're having dizziness all the time lightheadedness um you know those typical symptoms that we start to feel when we are going through stress that's just an indication that perhaps we are deficient don't go self-medicate don't self-diagnose and don't doctor Google. Go and see a practitioner that specialises in this so that you can get your levels checked. You can get your vitamin D score level checked and get the right supplementation. Essentially, what we're trying to do with supplements is get our body to function better. The same way that we do with skin in the clinic, we train our skin to behave better and we give it the nutrients that it needs topically and internally to get it to function much better. We need to do that with our body overall, and that's where supplements come in place. But you need to see a practitioner to do that correctly for you. Don't even try and attempt to do that yourself. Um, You know, it's just, you just don't do that. (laughs) I'm pretty passionate about that. You know, if there are serious things happening, whether it's a gastrointestinal issue, hormonal imbalances, menopause, and you want to really get that under control, get your levels checked. Have a blood test every year on your birthday so you know it has to happen on that same time every year and see a practitioner that can manage and balance everything for you. Absolutely. And the other thing with hormones, which can be quite interesting, is you know sometimes people say, oh, well, I went for an, a hormone check and the GP said everything was in balance. Um, sometimes it's not as basic as what that, that level is in the body. It is how how your body is processing those hormones and what um, detoxification pathway is being taken to um, get rid of those hormones as to how it's going to affect us. So the health of our gut microbiome plays a huge role in hormone balance and hormone detoxification. Our liver processes old hormones. Um, The liver and gut work very closely together in processing hormones hormones um and that's why i'm always about liver and gut support whenever there is sort of what looks like hormonal um imbalance on the skin or even through menopause as well liver and gut support is so important um we really have to think about that because how your body is is clearing those hormones is important and even the bowel regularity and again that's why i like um 
for instance, Avada Soul Purity, because that is just incredible. Um, I can't tell you how many people write in and say, oh, my God, you know, my bowels are regular. I've never had that before. Um, supporting gut health overall um, is really important, you know, because when if we're not um, evacuating our bowels, that can affect our hormones as well and toxins in the system as well. So elimination of the bowels and regularity of the bowels is really important and I can't tell you how many people have an issue in that area um, and again I find just simple things like increasing plant-based foods and, and um, fluid intake and movement simple things like that are great um, for hormonal balance particularly menopause I swear by flax seeds a tablespoon of flax seeds in smoothie um, ground so they're ground up Flax seeds are great for phytoestrogens to help support hormonal levels. Um, they're also fantastic for essential fatty acids and they're also fa fabulous for regulating bowel function as well. So if somebody's constipated, get a tablespoon of flax seeds in your smoothie and that should sort you right out. It's great for, for shiny hair, shiny nails, absolutely fantastic um, the other thing I don't know if you get asked Rose is soy a lot of people are still a little bit iffy about soy based products do you ever get asked about that I do um, a lot of mixed opinions about soy um, I've spoken to a few practitioners about about this and they say soy isn't good for estrogen but then you get others that say it doesn't really matter so I'm interested to find out more about this but that's actually a really good question um I mean, when you look at the evidence for soy, there is absolutely no evidence that soy is, um, you know, some people think it is um, promoting estrogen within the body and, and carcinogenic and all, all that sort of thing. So there's absolutely no evidence for that. I think where people get scared with soy is soy is a, a phytoestrogen, but so are a lot of foods, a lot of plant-based foods, even, you know, oats, but nobody seems to be scared of oats. Um so phytoestrogens are basically plant foods that have an estrogen-like effect within the body. But what people need to understand, these phytoestrogens are very weak estrogens and they can latch onto your estrogen receptors in the body and in a way they can protect from the more harmful what we call xenoestrogens, which are the estrogens that we get from plastics and you know environmental toxins and things like that, which can have endocrine disrupting effects in our in our body. So these phytoestrogens are actually protective, if you like, um, from the more harmful xenoestrogens. And if you look at the and I always think you know look at the countries that eat more of these phytoestrogen based foods such as soy. Um, nuts, seeds, whole grains, all of those types of things, they're the ones that have the least sort of estrogen-based cancers and they're also the ones that have the least um, menopausal symptoms. So the only time I would say be careful of soy, um, soy can be problematic for certain people with, with thyroid issues. Um, that's a whole other topic to talk about. Um, but for most people, soy will actually be beneficial. I have soy milk every day, actually. I have a fortified soy milk, um, and that's what I have in my, my coffee, purely because I like the taste of it. Um, and the one I have doesn't have added sugar and it doesn't have added oil in there and it's calcium enriched and it's the closest profile to cow's milk for mm. nutrition. Um, so out of all the plant milks, soy milk has the closest profile when it comes to um, 
cow milk or cow's milk. Mm. Um, but, of course, you don't have the, the um, intolerance issue with lactose and, and all that type of stuff as well. So I'm actually pro-soy, not necessarily the genetically modified soy, but if you get the, the good stuff, um, I'm actually pro-soy. So I, I do have soy milk daily. I have things like edamame, soybeans, um, and I think it can actually be beneficial, particularly during menopause but flax seeds as well phytoestrogens you know I'm, I'm a big believer in getting the plant foods in for myself I don't get menopausal symptoms I think a lot of that is because of the plant-rich diet um, obviously your genetics is going to play a role as well but I think people read a little bit of information and go oh my god you know it's a phytoestrogen that must be bad and not really look at it in detail and, and understand it so I think you know obviously we don't want the ultra processed soy foods and genetically processed foods and we want to minimize all of that um, be careful with the soy products that have got all the added sugars and the added um, vegetable oils they're not going to be great for us either but if you can get more sort of as close to nature soy as possible um, and combine that with a, a healthy diet and a healthy balanced diet I think it it can be very beneficial. Yeah, and it's like anything. Everything in balance is, is is good for you. I like soy products. I do eat soy products. I eat tofu. I have soybeans, edamame. Um, I have soy milk occasionally. Um, I, I find that I have no problem with any of them. I'm not a huge meat eater. So for me, it's another form of protein that I'm getting into my diet every day. Mm. It's just getting the right advice, Fiona. It really is getting the right information, talking to people and making sure that you are getting the right information, then you can implement the right things into your life. I just think it's common sense. You know, look at Asia, look at Japan, look at Asia. They have so many soy products. Um, if it was an issue, don't you think it would be showing up in that in that diet? Um, it's like, you know, people get freaked out about dairy, but, but look at those blue zones and look at the countries that live the longest. Do they have dairy? Yes, they do, but they don't have this ultra-processed dairy that's right. high in sugar. They'll have some fresh goat's milk or, you know, that's is that even dairy actually? But, you know, or feta or, um, you know, cheese that's fresh and, and whole milk, and but not much of it, and they'll have freshly made yoghurt. You know, um, yogurt tends to be easier to, to digest than, say, milk. You know, it has less of the, the lactose in it. So a little bit of freshly made yogurt, you know, having dairy in that amount can be really healthy and really beneficial. So people don't look at, it, at things critically. They're like, dairy is bad, dairy is good. Well, what kind of dairy are we talking about to start with? How much are we having in the diet? What else are you having alongside that dairy? If you're having dairy in the form of, you know, melted cheese on a pizza and you're having that with beers every night and you're having pasta carbonara and cream and, you know, that type of dairy with cheese and highly refined carbohydrate and lots of animal-based saturated fat and um, processed meat, completely different diet. You can't even compare. So... I think we've got to stop isolating foods and looking at them as good or bad and we have to look at the diet as a whole because otherwise, you know, we, we get it all very wrong and then people start getting scared of certain foods and, oh, my God, I can't have that, I can't have dairy. Oh, my God, I can't have that, it's got soy. Oh, my God, I can't have that, it's got, it's got 
sugar in it you know it's the diet as a whole and I think every single podcast we talk about this <laughs> but you know the message still isn't getting out there and I, th- I think it is so important you know calcium rich foods we need them during menopause more than ever we have estrogen receptors um, we lose bone density with age possibly due to lack of exercise but due to lower estrogen levels um, we need to make sure we're getting enough calcium rich foods yes we can get it through things like sardine enriched soy products um, green leafy vegetables but we need a lot of calcium it is very hard to get your daily calcium intake which is why I have calcium enriched um, soy milk I have yogurt every day for calcium I have calcium enriched you can get little cans of tuna now that are calcium enriched because they've got the ground up bones of the um, fish in there put back in you can't taste it but it's all ground in to to boost calcium levels which I think is genius it's easy to get in the supermarket um, so we really need to look at things that we can do to to boost calcium and even things like nuts almonds are really great source of calcium but we need to be eating a lot of this food to get the right amount i have the vibe soul um flexibility every day that's a great source of calcium and i mix that through either yogurt or add it to my smoothie so there's a lot we can be doing but i think the minute we start cutting these food groups out and and scaremongering i can't tell you how many times rose i see people doing more harm than good yeah, you can't generalise. You really can't generalise. You have to just look at everything in balance and get the right information. And if we can use this same analogy that we approach diet to skincare, it's exactly the same thing. Understand the formulations, understand the ingredients. There's good skincare and there's not so good skincare. So understanding all of that is really important. And my advice for clients going through menopause, I can get the changes with your skin that you're looking for. And we can support your skin health immensely and support your vaginal health immensely through this process in your life. But you have to look at this as a whole. It's a lifestyle. It's it's a lifestyle approach. It's an, it's an integrative approach, which is what we're about. Yeah. So, you know, we can support women going through the stage of their life very easily. And even with the supplements as well, you know, obviously I've, I've you know, got the Vitacel brand. But I always say to people, you know, you can't just rely on a supplement because... Yes, we've got liver and gut support um, powders to help support you, but if you're going out and drinking, you know, copious amounts of alcohol and you're not prepared to change your diet overall, yes, we're going to support and it's going to help a little bit, but you've also got to put the work in as well because otherwise I say to people, it's like going to the gym, working out but eating a donut at the same time. You know, you're sort of unravelling all the good that we're trying to do. So when we can combine everything together and take that real integrative approach that's when the magic happens definitely does so i think we've covered pretty much everything today i think that the main thing is um you know there is help out there if you know people don't need to suffer in silence and suffer alone um I think, you know, really looking at the diet, getting expert advice in the areas that you need, whether it's diet, whether it's hormones, um, skin professionals, skin, topical skincare can be really beneficial as well. Um, Supplements can be really beneficial. Managing stress levels, um, making sure we get the right amount of sleep, getting our blood checked to make sure that we aren't nutrient depleted because it could be something as simple as a a nutrient... um, depletion that could be causing certain symptoms as well so there is help out there and I do hope that everybody listening maybe 
has gone, oh, that's me and there is hope for me and that's just a simple thing that I can do and maybe that will, will change things around for them. Definitely. Ageing is a privilege. We just want to do it in the best way that we can and the healthiest way that we can so we can have a better quality of life. That's what we're really all about. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. 